0: Welcome to the Blue Bloods podcast, a
1: college game time production. Watch out!
0: He's got getaway speed. Touchdown! That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing.
1: College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays All I really need is another weekend Full of back-to-back games, just me and
0: my friends Man, I love college hey. College football hey. I love March Madness hey. Man, I love college hey. I love this team. Yes, sir! Welcome Blue to another to episode of the Blue Bloods podcast, we are on episode forty-six, inching closer and closer to the, the 50. coveted fiftieth episode. I'm trying to pull it up on my phone to make sure. Yep, yeah, because last yep it's forty-six. 45. I was doing the same thing. So, um, but man, we've got a lot to talk about this week. So, uh, between the coaching carousel, rivalry week, we've got championship weekend coming up this weekend. Yeah. Uh, the Heisman race may have been decided already, and I'm very excited. I'll say this: I'm very excited about the direction the yeah. Heisman <laughs> race appears to be going. But it was rivalry week, and B. Holmes, I, I just I want to open up the floor. If you have anything you care to say about how things went down this past weekend,
1: I'm been waiting anxiously for this podcast. <laughs> I thought about this this morning, you know, at the top of the season when we had our predictions and I was like, I think Michigan's going to repeat. And mm-hmm. across the smorgasbord, people were like, nah. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I, I get it. Like, I get it. They were supposed to have Jackson Smith and who hasn't played all year, which mm-hmm. we talked about that when he got the hammy. We we're like, how, what kind of hamstring injury is this?
0: But Do you know what's interesting about that real quick? I was thinking. When we did our episode back in January, okay, so it was still the the last mm-hmm. season. Uh, it was after the Rose Bowl, and we were mm. kind of getting into recruiting, transfer portal, you know exactly and recapping bowl going. season. Your exact words were, "If I after his performance in the Rose Bowl, you were like, if I were him, I, I would right have. now opt out of the twenty twenty two season."
1: I did. I would. There was only one other wide receiver that was possibly going to get taken higher than him, and that was Jordan Addison out of Pitt, now mm. USC. Mm-hmm. And arguably off that performance, I'm taking Jackson. And I still might take Jackson Smith. and Like the dudes, mm-hmm. he's good. But I also said this. I was like, man, I just keep saying, I just don't think these boys are tough. I think mm-hmm. Michigan's tougher. I think they're more sound. And everyone's like, you lost Aiden, you lost David. Technically, this defense looks a lot—they're better um, than they were last year. I—this is what I find—it feels so good, though. It just feels so good to not just to not just beat them, like. Yeah. But it was like it was a whoop because they, they 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 gave us their best shot. They gave us their yeah. best shot. They opened the game, and I'm not gonna lie. You can go read my Twitter. I was like, oh, it's over. And my wife will tell you, I was sitting there like, man, we cannot put anything together. And it looked like from there. Their opening script drive, and so shout out to the defense. They held it down until all it takes is one play. That's the name of the game in, in football. All you need is one play to kind of swing some momentum to get you to believe. And Michigan's very confident in who they are anyways, and mm-hmm. it took that one play and zero coverage where they sent the all-out blitz, and thank God J.J. McCarthy's playing quarterback because K. McNamara can't make that throw. Off mm-hmm. the back foot, fading back, mm. and get it to the outside hash, outside mm-hmm. numbers, that's a that's an NFL throw. Yeah. Um. And Cornelius does the best. He, you know, he he runs does the rest, and that opens up the gate. So I say all that to say is, man, Michigan looks dang good, and to do all that without Blake Corum, because mm-hmm. if anybody knows all week, that was the thing I stress. And you think for the first half they did that without Blake, and Donovan didn't really start carrying until the second half of the game. Mm-hmm. Um. Just. Just thoroughly impressed, man. Jim Harbaugh has done what nobody thought he would do, including this guy. As you mm-hmm. know, after that COVID season, I was ready to like, hey, man, we tried the Jim Harbaugh experiment. We're yeah. just not good enough. Um, We might not ever beat Ohio State. <clears throat> and, you know, I and I've commended him on this, and I'll commend him on it here again. When his back got against the wall, he did exactly what – what he knew to do. I tried mm-hmm. to do the speed and space thing. I tried to do the spread thing. I'm going to go back to my bread and butter. I'm going to yep. run the football because that's what I know and that's what I do well. I'm going to call my big brother. I'm going to ask. I'm going to bring in an NFL-style defense that's mm-hmm. built to to stop what Ohio State does, which in some aspects has some NFL correlation with the spread attack, mm-hmm. and I'm going. I'm going all in on who I am and my identity and calling the people I trust most And he figured it out. And it looks like this, though, man. This is what makes it so great. Because everyone said last year was a fluke, which is understandable. But it looks like he's building something for sustained success in Ann Arbor. Like, this looks like something where, and I think he's clear, and I think he understands this. We're never going to out five-star Ohio State more than likely. And maybe the pendulum swings a little bit, and we probably get a few more five star mm-hmm. players, but we're probably never just gonna out five star them in, in the most athletic positions. But I think and he said this in his press conference, he's like, everyone makes a big deal about stars. Mm-hmm. But I my evaluation board and my team's evaluation board is a lot different than two four seven and on three and ESPN and rivals. Like mm-hmm. cool, I know I'm gonna say this as a fan. I trust Jim Harbaugh's board a little bit more than some recruiting guys yeah. from ON Three or right Jim Harbaugh has been raised around the game. He's played the game. He knows the game. He's virtually one freak accident of the lights being shut out (laughs) and the Super Bowl from winning the Super Bowl. But he lost it to his brother. And he lost it to his brother. So, like, (laughs) like, if you're going to lose it to somebody, you know, it's – I just think, man, this bodes well for – and this is what I think is so important about what just happened. I think I said it last week. This shifts the rivalry in a major way. And one of the biggest things, bro, I just want to keep it – I want to, like, really lean into is what, I, what I've what i been hearing from the players. They were like, it just feels like family here. And mm. it's not just players. It's parents. Yeah. Like, I'm reading the recruiting reports from kids visiting, and every kid says this across the board. Mm. Man, it just feels like family. Like, yeah. my parents are connecting with this parent. This parent's connecting with this parent. Mm. Like, whatever culture they are creating up there in Ann Arbor – I think they're creating something that's going to have some, some sustainability. Now, we'll see what happens through the offseason cycle. Shironi Morris obviously becoming a hot name. I think he's still a year or two removed from taking a head coaching gig. I think Mike Hart's about a year or two removed because he's um, he'll step into the associate head coach role, from what I hear. But, man, dude, they just put it on them, man. JJ, this is J.J. McCarthy's coming out party, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And to, to your point though, at this point, it's, it's back to Harbaugh ball, right? Harbaugh football. Like it's his offense now. So I think you can allow for a little bit of the revolving door if needed at that offensive coordinator uh, position, because whoever fills that role in, they're going to just carry the ball with, or, 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 or carry the torch with what Harbaugh wants to do. It's interesting though, too, because I was thinking about this, I don't know how this just popped in my brain, but while you were talking about Harbaugh, I started thinking about his initial press conference. Mm -hmm. Like I remember how excited you were. I remember how excited I was like Mm -hmm. for you, for Michigan. I've always been a Harbaugh fan personally, like when he was with the 49ers, when he was at Stanford. And one of the things he talked about in that initial press conference was if you looked at kind of his career, particularly at the college level, it's like he would build and rebuild programs and then go somewhere else. Yep. Like I think he was somewhere in San Diego, yeah, rebuilt San their Diego. program. Yeah, then then Stanford rebuilt their program. Then he was at at San Fran for a, a a window of time, um sort of integrated the pistol offense, kept the power run, played strong defense, got to the Super Bowl, got to NFC Championship uh back-to-back seasons, all that. And then when he was in his press conference after he had got hired at Michigan, uh, he was asked, you know, like, so, because you remember there was a lot of smoke around, okay, he has a couple good years in Michigan. He's going to go right back to the NFL yes yeah, everybody just out. thought he was set on going and winning a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And he said that. He said, I've, well, I've always been a builder. And he was like, I've always built things. I've always, you know. Built mm-hmm. I built a lot of houses in my coaching career. He said mm-hmm. eventually you get to a point where like you want to build a house that you live in. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said he wanted to do at Michigan. And I even remember when he came out of the gate, had like back-to-back 10-win seasons, and there was smoke about him going to the Colts or smoke about him mm-hmm. going to the Browns or wherever. And it's like he kept staying. And then it was like they had that dip. And 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 when I say dip, I, I mean more of like Ohio State, they just couldn't get over the Ohio State hump. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they did have a down year, not just by Michigan standards, but like a down year. Yeah. yeah, and and yeah, I remember. Yeah, you, everyone was kind of like, okay, maybe this wasn't the 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 homecoming we all thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it like, even though it's been delayed, like what Harbaugh's done at Michigan last year and this year, you know. I think everyone was expecting it to be by year two and three that he was yep. doing this. But the reality is like now that he's doing it, it's kind of, one of those things you look at and go, man, you love to see it. You yeah, love to see it do. for college football. You love to see it for the big 10. And I mean, not like Michigan is also a blue blood. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But when you've had an urban Meyer led Ohio state team, that was always kind of in the discussion for the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. They weren't even like it, Michigan was never really even given a chance win in the big 10 and now it's kind of like, nah man, like they're not just like here to to upset Ohio state like no Little. they're 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 here to stay well, and
1: yeah it was an interesting stat Joe Clat brought up on his podcast. He was saying so one I think Ohio State fans over the last two decades have just forgotten that they went from very good coach and Jim Trussell to arguably one of the top five coaches who ever coached college football in urban Meyer mm-hmm. like you couldn't have had a more seamless transition from right. Good to great yeah. with a ton of good players to now oh, Urban Myers bringing in. He, he's the final stepping stone from you to you really locking down some elite players right. versus Harbaugh coming off the Rich Rod fiasco, then Brady Hoke. Um mm-hmm. And so in that in that 14 years between the last time we won in Columbus to now or whatever it was or from whenever we won, it doesn't matter. Clat was saying this. He goes. In the, that fourteen-year window, there were zero Michigan teams that finished in the top ten. Mm. Seven of those Michigan teams didn't finish in the top twenty-five. Jeez. So I think, I think, and me included, I think as Michigan fans and just national pundits across the board didn't realize how much of a rebuild Harbaugh had to navigate to get to this point. And I'm a devout Michigan fan, and now I'm when when Clap made the point, I started thinking about. It, I was like man, this dude really just kind of built this thing from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and we got lucky in that 2016 year where it was a lot of fifth-year guys who were older. Mm -hmm. This were career years for them. Um, And then I think, you know, I think there was still some adjustment period for Harbaugh coming back to the college game because you got to think when he left Stanford for the 49ers, the spread offense wasn't what it was when he came back in 2016. Like, Mm -hmm. it was still the new... It was the new shiny toy versus you come back in 2016, and it's like, this is the thing. This is what right. every legit big-time program is running. So, yeah. of course, you probably start thinking, okay, well. You start questioning it, your yeah, own philosophy. Yeah, let's question your old philosophy. And let's bring I in the young guy, you, have him bring in this spread. The, and... f- the flashy toy, and I think, I think the greatest thing that happened, and I think if you look at Harbaugh's track, he does well when his back's against the wall. And mm-hmm. I think this last back against the wall thing for him was like, If I'm gonna die, if I'm gonna get, if I'm gonna get martyred for this, I'm gonna at least go out the way I want to go out, and I think it was the greatest thing he could ever did. I think it was, um, I think it's just huge for the program. I think Ohio State really has to do some um, soul searching. And let me just put this out there for Ohio State fans, Trey Ryan Day is forty five and five.
0: I have a comment. I'm gonna have a a response to this. Yeah. Before we go, Ryan Day, can I say one last thing on hard? Yeah. Go ahead. What I love about Harbaugh as well that I think is kind of underrated and under the radar and maybe possibly too because he's like he's getting older as a mm-hmm. coach whereas mm-hmm. like when he was with the Niners and Stanford he was still kind of considered like a yeah. young former yep. player all that like he is a a one trash talker. Oh and yes. And he does it in a way <laughs> where it's like he says it so professionally and serious but it's like it's also sarcastic. And mm-hmm. so like where he really won me over when he was in San Fran was it was after they had just beaten the lions in a very close game. And I think Jim Zorn was the lions coach and they had a handshake at midfield and Zorn took exception to the way, yes. cause Harbaugh was fired up and he yep. shook his hand and he kept walking. This. And so Zorn tried to like charge him up and go run and get in his face and, and, and you know, they had to separate him and Harbaugh, like the thing about Harbaugh, he also won't back down from a fight. Like, don't oh, no. forget, like this guy played over a decade in the league. Like he was very successful as a college quarterback. He had success as he an NFL quarterback Jim Kelly in the face. Yeah. I mean, he's not like just some <laughs> pushover type dude. Like yeah. I know he's getting older, but like, let's remember who we're talking about here. And so anyways, they get him separated. And when they're in their press conference, they ask Harbaugh, you know, what happened? What did you say? And he, when, uh, I uh, shook his hand too hard. Uh, you know, I, uh, and like, he kind of like mimicked it. He's like, I, yeah. you know, I really got in there on that handshake. So, uh, and he didn't laugh. Like he, he he said it just like that. So you're like, God, he's such a little like. He's a little and prick. then the great thing though, is since he said some people are born on third base and think they hit a triple regarding Ryan Day. Yes. He has absolutely wiped the field up. With Ohio state twice. Yes. So he yes. says that. And then he's anyways. So now let's transition to Ryan day, because I want to hear what you have to say. Cause I think I might have a little bit, I might, I might have, I think my take on Ryan day right now in the fan base might be on the other side of the pendulum is what yours is
1: probably. And this, and this is what I, you know, if no one doesn't like Ohio state more than it's Michigan fans, right? This is what I'll say. And now, this is – anyone who to our podcast knows I'm critical of Ryan Day. I've always said I don't feel like yep. he's tough. I, I don't feel like he preaches toughness. I think he's a really nice guy. Like, mm. take programs away. Clatt said this. The little bit I know about Ryan Day, I follow him. I feel like if I had a kid, that's the type of coach you want to play for. There's no scandals. There's no craziness. He runs a clean program. Um, I love the stuff he's done with mental health at Ohio State. He's been on, like, the forefront of that of – actually Mm. bringing actually mental health specialists to have no ties to your university Mm. on your staff to like, I think the guy's an amazing guy. Mm. Now let's go to the coaching. Do I think he's above reproach? No, I think he's a very conservative play caller. I think this goes back to the toughness. Um, He's very cerebral. He's very intelligent. Mm -hmm. So I think he can sometimes outthink himself out of the game. I E that fourth and six Mm -hmm. this past week. Now, let me back up on that. He does have some stones because Harbaugh admitted it in the press conference. That was supposed to be a fake. Mm-hmm. They had the false start because Jim and them scouted the fake. And then they if you go back and watch that play on that fourth that false start train they go back to 4th and 11 and they punt, they mm-hmm. actually were supposed to run the fake again. If they run it, they score a touchdown. Like, it's uh-huh. wide open. But they had some miscommunication, and the punter thinks – because if you watch the punter, he's actually rolling. He's not even expecting. It. Anyways, but I say all this to say, I'm like, I don't know how much better you can get than mm. in this season. I don't, I don't know. Like, and I think Ohio State needs to take a second and relax. Understand this dude is forty five and five. He lost to Michigan twice, which I get. This is the game that matters at Ohio State. There is no mm-hmm. other game that matters. Mm-hmm. But then you lost to. Um, national champ. You lost a national championship, and then you lost to the team that was going to win the Natty like the year before. So you're four. I think it's forty six and four, 45, whatever. You're four. If you've had five losses, four out of your five losses have been to top seven teams each time. Top, actually, top five. Like you've only lost. Now I get it. Elite coaches win those games. Urban Meyer probably wins the game. But this is what I'm going to say to that, Trey. And don't get me wrong. I love Urban Meyer, but he only has one natty at Ohio State. He only has one. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, he beat Michigan a bunch of times. Great. But the differentiation between him and Ryan Day is only really, like, one national title. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think everyone should probably just, like, slow down on the Ryan Day can't coach thing. I think they have an identity problem at um, Ohio State. Like, one of the players came out and was like, First, they were yelling at us. Then they were yelling at each other. Then the second string guy came out and was like, This is how you're supposed to do it. I think they have a culture problem right now. Mm-hmm. And I think they have an identity. One thing I will say about Urban Meyer it was very clear that dude wants to run the football. He's spreading the football, but they're going to be tough. They're going to run the football. Um, you know, they ran like a power spread option. That's exactly what they ran with. And then they kind of switched mm-hmm. when Dwayne Haskins. And- yep. Those guys came around, but his original teams were, you know, you had the JT Barrett's, like Mm -hmm. Tim Tebow, like that's what he liked to run. I think Ryan Day has an identity problem. I think he's facing what Jim Harbaugh faced coming out of COVID year. Back's against the wall. Fan base is clamoring for you. You're losing the biggest game of the year. You got to figure out who you are. That's my skepticism about Ryan Day. Does he know who he really is? Because he's an offensive genius. But as a head coach, as a CEO, what is the culture of the program you're building?
0: Here's my th- take on it. I'm not necessarily of the camp Ryan Day can't coach, right? Like I think that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous notion to 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 ascribe to. Right now, Ryan Day is a victim of of. He's more of a victim of timing and following opposed Mm. to underperforming. Mm -hmm. The timing of his hire and who he followed makes it look like he's underperforming. Here's what I mean. Absolutely. Well, and the first the first thing is, and I've always said this: you don't follow a legend. And yeah, Urban only had one natty at Ohio State, but still, that was. He got that national championship in a year where everyone believed it was tailor-made for Alabama. And what he proved was that Ohio State wasn't just a big, in the Big Ten Conference, wasn't just a program that could win their conference and then get annihilated. Because prior to that, Ohio State was viewed the same lens as Notre Dame. Yep. Like they're going to win their, their, their regular season and then they'll get dominated once they play an SEC team. He didn't just get in and, and beat an SEC team. He beat the SEC team yep. and then goes on to dominate the national championship game. And then from then on, he was always in the discussion for a playoff spot. Now, right. yeah, would he have one where he would lose to Virginia Tech or lose to Purdue or whoever it was where it could come back to, to get him at the end? Sure. Did he... Uh struggle heavily against Clemson once he got into the CFP, yeah, but he still got it done. He was the one that broke the mold, and yep. he owned Michigan from Ryan Day's perspective. The timing of this is he went he's taken Ohio State from being a team that competes for national championships every year to a team that's not even the best in their own conference anymore. yep also he publicly announced. How much NIL money it would take for him to build a national championship roster. And the collectives heard that. Yep. And so you can't say you're not getting everything you say that you need. Mm-hmm. But here's what it reminds me of as far as the fan base and kind of the heat that he's getting. Because there's people genuinely saying, like, will he survive? Right? Like, yeah, will he, a lot of is, is he going to keep his job? Like, he just lost to Michigan for the second year in a row. And there's a whole, like, a whole world of football fans going, Are you kidding me? You know how many schools would kill to have that resume as their head coach right now? <laughs> but the reality is, it's like this. It's more the reason why what he's done isn't considered or is considered underperforming is because of the timing. It reminds me of the Cowboys in the mid 90s when they transitioned from Jerry uh, uh, from Jimmy Johnson to Barry Switzer. Okay. Barry Switzer. His first year trying to make sure I recall this his first season loses the NFC championship to the 49ers. Mm -hmm. Okay. People were wondering, will he keep his job? He gets back the next season. And I don't even think it was against the 49ers that year. I think it was actually maybe the Packers. But I'm just saying, hypothetically, if Barry Switzer loses the NFC Championship in 1995, he does not have a job. Mm -hmm. And Jerry Jones fires him, and the Cowboys fan base at that point in time, and the Cowboys media at that point in time fully supports that decision. Yep. Fast forward to 2022-2023. If Barry Switzer were to come and lead the Cowboys to -to back-to-back NFC championship games now, we would elect him mayor of Dallas. We'd make him governor of Texas. Right. Right? It's because of the timing of it. Whereas back then, he's coming off with this squad, this team that Jimmy Johnson has built. They're coming off back-to-back Super Bowls. People still look back on Barry Switzer's era and look at it as a failure. And the guy won a Super Bowl. Right. But Cowboy fans, self included, will say, Well, if we had Jimmy, Michael Irvin even says it. Right. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm getting too excited, but if Jimmy stays, the Cowboys win four at least at least possibly five Super Bowls in a row. That that's yeah. that's the narrative around Switzer. Switzer ruined the dynasty. And that's kind of what I feel like happened going from Urban to Ryan Day is a lot of what was happening from a cultural standpoint. Mm-hmm. Is a the changes that have happened from a cultural standpoint are exactly what happened when Barry Switzer took over the Cowboys. Things got a little softer. Things got a little more lax. Things got a lot more player friendly, and mm-hmm. over time, that's what began to essentially lead us into this abyss of now going on however many years it's been. Cowboys can't even get to the NFC Championship game, but now here we are in a time frame where it's been thirty years. If a coach comes and leads the Cowboys to -to back-to-back NFC championship games, like I said, we're going crazy for that. Absolutely, right. And so with Ryan Day, it's like, look, if he did what what he's done at Ohio State, if he had done that at Nebraska, if he had done that at Florida State, if he had done that at Miami, if he had done that at uh, Florida, or who'd you say? He'd have a statue. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, he'd have a statue. So that's where I say it comes back to the timing and who he's following. And so I get it. I get the criticism and the the fire that he's under mm-hmm. because it's the situation he chose. Yeah. A lot of people feel like the situation he was put in was tailor made for him to win a national championship. It was. And not only has he failed to do that, but now it's looking like, gosh, can he even get past Michigan? That was never a question with urban Meyer. Right. So I get that. We can, we can kind of, Keep it moving. Obviously, our big rundown of rivalry week, say rivalry week five times fast, mm-hmm. uh, if you're listening. Seriously, stop right now and try to do it. Um, press pause. No, but um, 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 we basically just spent it all on Ohio State and Michigan, but the reason why is because that that game carried the most significance coming into this upcoming weekend. Now, some other things that happened real quick. Oregon State over Oregon. That was a heck wow. of a finish. Yes. Um TCU didn't have a rivalry game, but they took care of business against the Iowa State, so they're still going to be in that top four. USC took care of business against Notre Dame, yep. um, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. But but the Heisman race is becoming clearer now. Uh, still got championship weekend to get through, but I, I think we all know who the Heisman would be had the season had the if the decision were to be made right now. Absolutely. Um, and then there was another one, obviously Bama over Auburn. Uh, I mean Mississippi State over Ole Miss. What are some of the other? I think that was Thursday, really like it. Friday. Um. Okay, so with that being said, let's get to the coaching carousel, and boy, then before oh, we boy. look ahead to championship weekend, let's get to the coaching carousel because it's moving and it's moving at a rapid pace.
1: Yeah, I think man, like, well, let's talk about the first. I mean, the big one, man. The the Ole Miss. The Ole Miss Auburn fiasco. Yeah, f- some of it was Lane Kiffin. Now, fortunately, our Ole Miss insider was texting us quite a bit about what was going on. Um, shout out to our our friend that's a booster um, <laughs> at Ole Miss. I, I, I I've learned you're not supposed to say boosters' names publicly okay, anymore. We won't so, say <laughs> um, but you know, and no, that was a great insight because we're literally getting. I'm like texting you on like Thanksgiving, like, hey, bro, this is <laughs> what. What we're hearing. And so we know Auburn ends up lands up landing with Hugh Freeze. Um, I think I have two perspectives on that. I think, one, I think it's a good hire. If, if you take coaching, just coaching and stuff, what he was able to build at Ole Miss, I think he can do it at Auburn. Here's where I get concerned. This is like, and this is a major red flag, because I DM'd it to you on Twitter. Was it like Friday or Saturday? Oh, yes, yes. So what happened was there were some talks about um, sexual misconduct kind of going on at Liberty University with the student, um, which if you don't know Liberty University, it's a private Christian university, um, and they've had some issues with this prior before. And Hugh Mm -hmm. Freeze, this girl, um, the student, excuse me, this female student, screenshots it and is like, why is the head football coach in my DMs coming for me about these allegations? Mm-hmm. What also came out publicly, I don't know if it came out yesterday or this morning, a part of Hugh Free signing this contract, Trey. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is that he cannot run his social media accounts. Yeah, There's a PR firm that has to run it. Yep. This is where this bothers me, bro. This is just where I get this is where it bothers me and, and this will kind of conflict the two. Um this this kind of bring two stories together. Does it Kenny Coach? Yes. Are we overlooking major character flaws in order to get a coach? Mm -hmm. I think that is concerning. And this is why this is bothersome to me because what we're starting to hear, and we'll talk about this I'm sure next, or one of those we're talking about with Coach Prime, is Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden everyone's bringing up, oh, his prime prep thing failed and blah, 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 and all that. And it's so annoying, but I'm like, oh, so we can bring up, that stuff with coach, you know, about coach prime, which I don't even think is relevant to mm-hmm. him being a college football coach, because if you look at what he's done at Jackson State, it's amazing. But we can overlook this stuff. And that if part of your agreement with the head coach is our PR firm has to run your social media, like you have to give us complete access, and which means, and I've run marketing and I know people in the marketing world, which means Trey is this man has zero access to his social media, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. They can change the passwords, everything. So essentially what they're saying is we're protecting you from yourself so that our investment in this doesn't blow up. To me, that is just concerning. On a, on a level of a coach is more than a football coach. They're a mentor to young men. They're supposed to influence them to do the right thing, make the right decisions. And if that's who you trust to be at the head of your football team, that to me is concerning. Do I think Hugh Freeze is a good football coach? Absolutely. What he did at Liberty has been amazing these last two seasons, from Malik Willis last year to what they got going on this year. I just that's I just don't like that from like and it's, and it is weird to me because they Auburn boosters ran out Harson off a a character misconduct, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet you're hiring someone who yeah. I'm just going to call the spade to spade. It's the same yeah.
0: thing. Yeah.
1: That's concerning to me. On the football side, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be able to recruit and I think he'll be able to do well. I mean, he's
0: a winner. You know, he's a winner. He's
1: a winner. I I just I just can't get with the hire though, man. I just can't.
0: And and listen, with the SEC West, which we we have for another year, maybe two, we'll see. But, you know, it just got tougher, I believe, from a football perspective. Yeah. Um and and you know, that that sucks when you're a Razorback fan. But (laughs) Yeah I wanna go back for a second. I wanna I wanna go back to Lane Kiffin real quick. Um So if I'm an Ole Miss fan, if I'm just looking at this, calling it like I see it. Yes. First off, I don't know if he's actually even signed his extension yet. It's I think so. it's uh, at this time, it's 1 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday, November 29th, and I don't believe now. By the time someone's listening to this, he may have already signed. Here's what would bother me about how Lane Kiffin is handling this, and I I I was a little vocal about this on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Had some back and forth, and and I'm not going to say anybody's name now. Now that we're keeping <laughs> things anonymous, but. Here's what I think. Kiff, here, here's how I look at Kiffin and Ole Miss. It's like the guy who's in the relationship with the girl who's safe. Um, yes, he has no plans on marrying her. He has no plans on on doing anything long term with her. But like, she pays all his bills. She pays. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Provides. You know. Gets him everything he wants. Lets yep. him do whatever he wants. Yep. And then like. Whenever he's out with the boys, though, he's entertaining any and every other female that's more Mm -hmm. attractive to him. And he does that because he knows the the, the chick he's with will never be able to find better than him. At least in his eyes, that's how he sees it. And to me, that's how Lane Kiffin is treating Ole Miss is, hey... Yeah, I'll stay, but I'm going to milk this place for every dime that I can until Mm -hmm. the job that I really want, whatever that might be, comes open. I think Ole Miss fans are trying to spin it like, yeah, he's chosen us over multiple SEC jobs and over multiple different openings. And it's like, has he, though? Or is he just getting another raise, getting another raise, where literally I feel like Ole Miss is is, – basically put themselves in a Jimbo situation at yeah. AM. 1st off, the guy just went eight and four. And as a Razorback fan, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss doesn't scare me. This guy is a missed two-point conversion away from being 0-3 against Sam Pittman, whose only coaching experience prior to being the head coach in the SEC West program was an O-line coach. Unless yeah. you include his two years as a head coach at a JUCO. Okay, so that definitely doesn't scare me. I would be upset I'm giving him $9 million a year now after going eight and four. Well, anybody could command nine million a year in the SEC, right? But the people who are getting nine million a year aren't entertaining other jobs. Okay, right. let's let's run it down. You've got Kirby Smart. He ain't entertaining other jobs. you no. got Nick Saban. He ain't entertaining other jobs. You have right. Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly left a blue blood, left a destination job mm-hmm. to come to LSU. He ain't entertaining other jobs. You have Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher is severely underperforming. But you know what he's not doing? He's not entertaining other jobs. So the only guy in the country that's making that kind of money is I won't even say the country. Let's just say the conference. Yep. Is Lane Kiffin? Now, I don't know what Stoops's extension is going to be, yeah. but here's the deal: if he gets up into that realm, first off, he deserves it. If you look at what he's done for the program, and second off, he's been there for almost a decade. Like he ain't entertaining other jobs. Exactly. And so what you've done is you've said, okay, we're gonna pay him with the elite coaches of this conference even though he hasn't performed to that level yeah, and he's still going to go entertain other jobs. Guess what? If Texas opens next year or Ohio state opens next year or UCLA opens next year or whoever, guess whose name's going to be linked to those jobs? Lane. Lane Kiffin. And if Lane Kiffin decides, Oh, that's not what I want. He'll end up getting 12 million a year <coughs> to stay. Uh-huh. Excuse me. <coughs> a year to stay at Ole Miss. And then all Ole Miss, yeah, see, he's choosing us over Texas. No, dude, he's just milking you dry until whatever school he wants to go to actually opens up. And there's also been talk that Auburn passed on him. I don't believe that. I think what happened was is I think he was headed to Auburn full tilt. Okay? And at the 11th hour, Ole Miss's AD matched the offer. Yeah, and I think when Sexton went back to Auburn and said, "Well, Ole Miss is saying they're going to do this," so Auburn's AD said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, ain't playing your games," because that's what Sexton does. Yep. That's why Lane Kiffin isn't at Arkansas. Was well, Sexton did the same thing? He he had a deal in place to come to Arkansas. Ole Miss's AD came in very aggressively, exceeded the offer. Yeah, Arkansas's AD said, "Uh, uh, he ain't worth that," and he kept it moving. And it looked very, it made Arkansas look very stupid at the time. But in hindsight, it makes Ole Miss's AD look extremely desperate. So, so, and here's the thing. If Kiffin this year had done better than eight and four, well, it's a rebuilding year. I don't care if it's a rebuilding year. Your schedule was cake. And two of your losses were to teams that weren't as good as you. Ole Miss should have beaten Arkansas and they should have beaten Mississippi State. And they didn't. You know why they didn't? Because he was busy entertaining another female. Period. You can't convince me otherwise. So you just rewarded a coach who lost two games because he was busy with another campus, with another college, with a a, a raise that puts him with the elites of the conference. And what's he done? Made it to a Sugar Bowl. Congratulations. (laughs) Didn't even win that. Lost to Baylor. So anyways, I wanted to sound off on that because I'm curious – other than the one Ole Miss fan that, that, that we're close with, and not just fan, but you know, Associated he's in high he university. he he's in high places <laughs> with the university. I'm saying though, with some other Ole Miss fans, like, are you guys and in, in gals like excited about this? Yes, congratulations on keeping your coach. I get it. And I'm not taking away, Lane Kiffin is a great coach. Mm. But like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I feel like we've pretty much seen the ceiling of what he's gonna accomplish. And to me, it's not to the level it doesn't, it's not deserving right now of what these mm-hmm. other guys are getting.
1: Um, well, I think the general consensus is most Ole Miss fans, from what I've seen, and I've been on like message boards and everything, they know this is a temporary thing. I think they even realize it's, it's – I feel like, to use your girlfriend analogy, it feels like they're the girlfriend that's just like, I'm just waiting for him to break up with me. Like, I'm going to do the song and dance. We're gonna to be together. Both of us know this thing isn't gonna go anywhere long term. You know what they are? They're a situation ship. <laughs> Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin is a situation ship. They, for all, for those of you who don't know what that means, like a guy and a girl. They're not a thing, but they do the things that couples that are in a thing do, like they go on dates to hang out. But they don't really have a boyfriend girlfriend title. One of the other, one of the people in the situationship is just waiting for the other person. To either ghost them or just call it off. I think that's where Ole Miss is with Lane Kiffin. I think they understand. I think Ole Miss wants to desperately be in the hunt, especially with expansion coming. Um, I think they desperately want to be in the mix, in the fold, and I think they almost have this look of if you can't get Lane, like where else do you go? And I don't agree with that method. I want to, somebody that wants to be at my university. But I think they found themselves in a situation where it's like, Okay, we know what this is at this point. He's flirted with other jobs, we know it. We've matched it because we can't probably do much better right now. Eventually this thing is going to end, so we're going to kind of do the song and dance with each other until the dude finds what he really wants.
0: Okay, and that's fine. But what about if he goes 6 and 6 next year? You're stuck. Like uh, exactly. <laughs> but what I'm saying is is like Next year's schedule for them compared to this year gets a lot tougher. They have to go at Georgia, they're playing at Alabama, right? They're at Auburn, who with the transfer portal, Hugh Freeze could turn that into a top ten program overnight. Okay, he's already keeping Cadillac Williams, who's going to be like the glue guy, I believe, be to keeping great. that thing. So I'm saying, great like we them. talked about, Hugh Freeze football wise, like he's a winner. That that I'm not saying there; those are well, two of those I believe are automatic losses. I'm saying Auburn though at Auburn this year, next year it's going to be a lot tougher. Still got to play LSU. Don't know what they're going to be, but that's a possible loss. Mm-hmm. Arkansas and AM always gets crazy. I'm just saying like like they do still have a non-conference to start the season, which is really nice, but it's not going to be like this year where they basically got the first 7 games right where they played a less talented team every week. Right. Whereas after that they go at Alabama, they play LSU and then Arkansas. I'm not saying Arkansas is going to be a more talented team. I'm just saying Ole Miss Arkansas always is is weird. It's a tough game. And then next year they're also at Mississippi State. So it's like there's a chance. Yeah. That that's a 6 and 6 team next year. Um now we'll see what Lane does with the portal, we'll see what he does in recruiting, but it's not like he's just been I don't know. I feel like Hugh Freeze made more splashes in recruiting than what Lane Kiffin has done. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just missing it. But it seems like Hugh Freeze was bringing in a top three. Didn't he bring in the number one class overall one year? I think
1: so. What's that? Oh, and Kim Dici's class and Treadwell yeah, and Treadwell and guys. And,
0: But anyways, I, I just it, it. I don't know, man. Like I, I, I wonder, you know. And I think that the the sticking point to me is that how many years are we going to do this? I mean, we're just gonna keep. Whereas, at least two more. Whereas, see, but that's up to Lane. Like, you have no leverage in that.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, you don't know what the coaching carousel looks like next year because we didn't think it was gonna be this good this year, and it's just pop.
0: Well, I know Sark. I know Sark better. Win some games next year. Oh, definitely. Or that Texas, uh, that Texas job's coming open, especially if Urban Meyer's still on the market. Like that. That I think that bold prediction you made a year ago is still in play. It just might oh, be sure. a might year delay but if Texas comes open, Lane Kiffin's name will be attached to it. Oh, for sure. All right, let's move on to uh, kind of the Midwest. Uh, to me, this is where the best hires have been made. Now there's still one that's pending that could blow all of these out of the water, which we'll also talk about, but yep. the, so far the two best hires of the cycle have been fickle to Wisconsin And Matt ruled in Nebraska. I mean. I I feel like the fickle hire is actually
1: probably the more jackpot hire, in my opinion. And I think Wisconsin just tripped into an amazing hire. And I think it all, somebody made a point, and I was reading about this earlier, expansion has changed the game. Mm. Right? Because before, when it's only a 14 playoff, Fickle's really just like, and I feel bad for all the programs that hired people last year that just missed out on this guy, Mm -hmm. because at that point, Fickle's like, no, you wait for the job to open up. Ohio Mm -hmm. State, Bama, Michigan, Notre Dame. Um, You wait for those jobs because when the playoff is only four teams, Mm -hmm. you know you can only probably accept six or seven jobs that are realistically going to give you a real shot to get there.
0: I think he would have been Notre Dame's head coach had Cincy not been in playoff contention. Yes. I mean, it was like it was twofold. Notre Dame tried to make a hire really quick because they didn't want to lose their playoff hopes. And then Luke Fickle wasn't about to take another job knowing his team was in the playoff. Yeah.
1: I think now with the playoff going to 12, as soon as, shoot, 24 is what it's looking like. It's all going to come down to this Rose Bowl vote Mm -hmm. that's happening this week. Um, which is so stupid. But um, I love the Rose Bowl, but no one cares about the Rose Bowl anymore. We care about the playoff. Um, but I think with now with team's going to be able to 12, you look and I think the Big Ten's probably going to go divisionless anyways. Mm. But still, like, let's just – and we don't know for sure. Like, say if it does stick with divisions or pods, who knows. You just gave yourself a pretty dang good shot at Wisconsin, which if you look mm-hmm. over the last two decades, even the last decade – Wisconsin's really been a Big Ten championship game away from making the playoff. Um, they've had good teams. They they turn, and I think it fits who he is. They want toughness. He wants toughness in the trenches. Wisconsin typically plays good defense, um, you know, and it, I think he's bringing his offensive coordinator along with him. Um, I, think, I think Wisconsin's a very good program that in the mm. right year with how the Big Ten's aligned, you know, they could sneak in. They can get it at bid birth. Um, now I think it's just getting that much more challenging when you look at the Big Ten circle now, because you have Rule, you have Fickle, you have Day, you have Harbaugh, Jeff Brom is a pretty good coach, PJ Flex a pretty decent coach, mm. uh, Franklin. Like these, that that's seven names right there that are mm. like. And if Kirk Ferentz can get out of his own way and just hire an OC, that's eight strong. Where you are like. That's a tough conference. Um, but I think that was a home run hire. I think that's like a dream hire for Wisconsin that they normally don't get if the playoff doesn't expand, in my personal
0: opinion. Here's why I like the rule hire more than the Fickle hire, even though I completely understand the argument for Fickle being the hire of this carousel. I get it. He he took Sensi to the playoff um, and and – I mean, they played Arkansas this year. Like, he plays a physical brand of football. Like, mm-hmm. like you can tell his teams, like, there is a little bit of fear in that. Yep, you said this before. Yep. Yeah. Like, like it it it, it mimics kind of like what Saban does with his programs, right? Here's why I like Rule hire better. Is Matt Rule took Baylor to the sugar bowl. Two seasons, yeah, two full seasons after the Art Briles fiasco. Mm-hmm. Okay, competed with Georgia, lost. Two years after he left, Baylor won the Sugar Bowl. Like, like, I'm not taking anything away from Miranda, but like that—that's a lot of Matt Rule's doing. That's a lot yeah. of his. And we talked about Harbaugh being a builder. Everywhere he's gone, Matt Rule, I'm saying, at the collegiate level. He's built and turned programs around. He's taken them from one in 11 programs Mm -hmm. to 11 win programs. Mm -hmm. And I think you put him somewhere like Nebraska with the resources that they have. Right. It's like a match made in heaven because what he is able to do is he's able to get more out of less. He has coached at places where the recruiting talent week in and week out is always to the advantage of the other team. If you go look at who he he brought in, uh, just a plethora of three stars at Baylor, a plethora of three stars, and he developed them and turned them into teams that beat the, the, the Texases, the, the OUs, the, the teams that are loaded with five-star talent, Luke Fickle technically has never really had to do that yet. Right. In fact, his one go at a big time job was Ohio state when he went. Was it six and six? I think he went that six year. Six and
1: six what a what a true freshman Braxton Miller,
0: which is fair. But the very next season, Urban Meyer goes twelve and zero. So now look what he's done at Cincy has far exceeded that. But what I'm saying is, is that Cincy in the conference that they've been playing in, he hasn't had the pressure of having to necessarily get more out of less. Now it's obvious that he can develop guys. I mean, he had a top ten corner drafted last year and the other corner was drafted as well i don't think he was Mm -hmm. it wasn't in the first round though i mean he's he's putting players in the league don't get me wrong but what i'm saying is is the schedule cincinnati has played they haven't had to play teams where they were week in and week out at the recruiting disadvantage matt rule has done that he did it yeah. at temple and he did it at Baylor. And now he's at Nebraska where you could make an argument that with the right guys at Nebraska. And if he keeps someone like Mickey Joseph, it's not so sure that Nebraska is going to be at the recruiting talent disadvantage week in and week out. Right. Um, I think rule kind of has some question marks because of how poorly he did in the NFL. But I think if you look at his NFL tenure, he never really yeah. had a quarterback. I'm not you trying didn't. to make excuses for the guy. I'm not trying to say that in the NFL. you have to, I mean, Nick Saban. I mean, I, I hate doing that. Right. Cause everyone does that. Well, Nick Saban, but it's the truth. Like there's just some guys that are better suited for the college game or the situation they stepped into at the NFL level. It wasn't right. Like, you hear Nick Saban, his situation, he thought he was gonna have Drew Brees. Right. But Drew Brees failed the physical and ended up in New Orleans or something yeah. like that. I might have the that's details how, of that off. That's how it worked. But he didn't, I mean, he didn't fare um, he didn't have a quarterback. And that's that's yeah. why if he you know, you've heard I think Cal Heard has said that Saban's like, if he if he's ever gonna go back to the NFL, the quarterback situation has to be right. Well, it was never right at at, at Carolina, so who knows? I'm just saying with what he's done at the collegiate level, what he's done at the power five collegiate level, he gets more out of less. Yep. I think Nebraska is to a point where you got to have a guy that can get more out of less, but depending on how the big 10 sort of, I don't divvies know, this thing divvies this thing up. I mean, it's not crazy to think that at least half of their conference games they will not only have to not only have a coach that gets more out of less, but they'll have a team that's more talented from a just pure talent recruiting standpoint than say, you know what he had at Baylor or even Temple.
1: Well, I'm interested to see how his recruiting goes because you know he's bringing in Marcus Satterfield from South Carolina. Yep. I don't know if that's. I think Mickey was probably looking for a coordinator position Um, that's that's my biggest concern I don't know I would have to ask Corey because he's like the Nebraska insider I think a key to his success is if he can keep Mickey Joseph I really feel that way I feel like if they don't keep Mickey on board on staff that is going to set because that dude kept the little bit of class they had together Um, matter of fact that five-star that committed or four-star was like the only reason I stayed Committed to Nebraska was because of Mickey Joseph. He brought in. He was the one that closed the deal on the coldest Crawford and right. some
0: other big time recruits they had coming in this year was Mickey. So, dude, I'm telling you though. So you know that Matt Rules the guy that that hired Joey McGuire. Yeah, right. The current head coach at yeah, Tech. Like Texas that's Tech. who. That's who brought. Like he made it very clear. You know. Now he was in Texas, so he went and went. Okay, who's who's got the deepest recruiting ties from the high school in the high school coaching pipeline. I mean, Mm -hmm. Matt rule was a Midwest guy. Like he didn't have any ties to Texas. He came in and he brought in the guy who everybody knew at the Texas high school coaching association. And I, I, I guarantee you if he doesn't retain Mickey Joseph, he will make a similar hire where wherever there's a hotbed of talent, he believes they can get kids to Nebraska from He'll go find the guy who's kind of like the Pied Piper of that network yeah. and bring him on the staff. That's what I got to. keeping my eye on.
1: He's going to have to because I mean Nebraska's nil money. Um, Casey Thompson even came out and said it. he was do- yeah. getting more at Nebraska than he does than he did in Austin. I, I, I agree. Rules probably a great hire for them because he's going to have to do more with less. Because I'm mm-hmm. just looking at how the Big Ten is setting up. Michigan is Michigan. It looks like they're turning a corner. We'll see what happens over the next year or two, but it looks like they're turning a corner. Ohio State will continuously be Ohio State. Um, Penn State is still recruiting well. Like, James Franklin has a top-ten class right now, and he'll probably – he's a great recruiter. You mm-hmm. just, you know, you got that going on. Then, you know, with Fickle coming to Wisconsin, um, you got Riley coming with USC, Chip Kelly coming with UCLA. Like – I think that you're right, that that's going to have to be a really good hire because the talent now, what we also do know, and let's add this, where I'm actually interested to see what he does. Because of the expansion, more money is coming to these schools, which means you put more money in your recruiting department. Mm. So that might actually level the plan. And we, we know, man, Nebraska's just a, it's a faithful place, man. Those kids are like rock stars out there and that that will resonate. I, you might be right. That might be the 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 splash hire. I really just like Fickle. I'm a big fickle guy. You know, I want him to come to Michigan. So,
0: no, and I think Fickle is actually the splash hire. I think for me, the hire that fans are going to look back and be most thankful for are going to be those Nebraska fans because I mean, yeah. I followed Matt Rule when he was at Baylor, man. Like, I, I I paid attention to what he was doing, and I remember yeah. seeing him on Twitter. Like, all the guys he was bringing in, and I was like, man, he's bringing a lot of three stars. He brought in Joy McGuire. You know, I'm in Texas, so I was kind of so you get it, yeah, yeah. I was kind of keen to what he was doing, and then next thing you know, like these guys are in the Sugar Bowl, yeah, um, and they came tough, off too. one of the like biggest scandals at scandals. the time in yeah. college football and, and he's not dealing with anything like that at Nebraska in fact what he's dealing with is a team that could go one and 11 or 11 and one and there's going to be 90,000 <laughs> right. fans showing up yep so, exactly uh anyways well uh I do want to talk about some of the open jobs still but we have to talk about this because we, we 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 got into it a little bit last week and I think coach prime to Colorado is going to happen I do too. Um, and boy, oh boy, like I don't, I, I don't know why this excites me so much, but I think part of it's because Deion Sanders is a guy that for me, like, I just want to see win. Absolutely, um, and I feel like he he's breaking the mold in a lot of ways. I I see the the, the perspective of how will it be de- like? Will this be detrimental to HBCU football? I mean, it will be on one hand, but on the other hand, like, I think that some of the things he did, particularly for that Jackson state program, like with the facilities and all that mm-hmm. and of his own personal investment, like that stuff's not going away. Yeah. And I think the notoriety he brought, like, like th- there's certain things that like he's done that whether he's there or not, you can't, you can't erase. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about this the other day. Cause if you remember last week, we were talking about South Florida, how that would just be like this tailor made fit. And I was like, man, I'm high on this, on this Colorado. Deal. Yeah, you are. And I don't know if it's because when I grew up, like when I first started getting tuned in to, to college football, man, it was, it was Nebraska had yep. their dynasty and Colorado, man. It was, it was the Cordell Stewart's, the Rashawn Salam's, the mm-hmm. uh, Eric Bieniemy, Who's, who's now the OC at Kansas city. Um, I can't remember who their quarterback was uh, when they, when they won that national title. Uh, But, I mean, there was a time in college football history where it's like Colorado, in a window of time, had a Heisman Trophy, yep. had a national championship, had first-round talent. Like, all those things are there, and I just believe Deion Sanders is a guy that could go in and bring that back, like, almost overnight. Yeah. I think it'd be good for college football.
1: I think... um I agree with you. So Jeremy Chadwell, the guy from Coastal Carolina, I think mm-hmm. is from USF. I think that's kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's hot. That's Before we started recording, that was kind of what I was That saying.
0: might be like a made official I, today, right? Yeah, yeah. Possibly. Like it
1: just really started getting picked up today. So um, I think that's official because some people came out and Prime was never really like a real candidate for USF. It was a guy from Coastal and then one other unnamed person. Well, think-
0: coastal was supposed to was was initially linked to Georgia Tech, and then Georgia Tech. Oh, that's right. Uh, who did went they? With just two
1: lanes guy. They went with Tulane's guy? Then one with Tulane's guy. Fritz. Fritz. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, Which I think go. was a great hire by them. Anyways, he was yes. a culture builder in its own right. Um, dude, I just think I think that I want to see Prime win. I think this is what I'll say. Like I've seen the University of Colorado Boulder's beautiful. The facilities are dope. Obviously mm-hmm. they're going to get an infuse of probably cash as well. Um and like you said, I'll say this. Prime was able to recruit at Jackson State and was in was a real finalist for some big time kids. Like right. a real finalist. Yeah. Not yeah. like, let me just throw this on a graphic. Like mm-hmm. their hats mm-hmm. are on the table at signing day. Yep. That's a real finalist. Now you're taking him to a Power Five program in a big time conference. To what you said, which will have an automatic bid when when the playoff expands. Um, And now you have Power Five resources that you're going to now. Have, like I mean, I can't just I just can't even I can never stop thinking about the time he was like, there is no like hydrotherapy tub at Jackson State. Like mm. it's hard for me to compete when these kids go to these training. He's like even for my kids. I love these kids, and I don't have a top-notch training facility. That's not going to be a question at a Power 5 school. Will mm-hmm. you have everything that Bama and LSU has? Uh, probably, maybe not, but this is what I will say, is I think that there's there will be some big-time boosters in Colorado. Let's oh, just yeah. be real. They are the trend center of the cannabis industry. There mm-hmm. are some people linked to University of Colorado Boulder that are going to be able to, to donate some big-time mm-hmm. money into that program. So I don't think... They're going to be able to be worried about that. And then I just think um the way Prime can walk into any living room and just with the how the transfer portal is going to work because he won't have academic restrictions, none of those things, I think that's going to be huge. And mm-hmm. I think with USC and UCLA making a shift um, over to the Big Ten and at the Pac-12, I think if the Pac-12 locks down Prime, they prevent anybody else from probably buffering out of the conference. Because now Oregon can be dogs on; they can be the top dog. U Dub is looking really great mm-hmm. um, with the DeBoer hire this past year. You got Prime at Colorado. I mean, not you know, we'll, uh, you have what is it, Willingham that just went to Arizona Whittingham. State? Willingham. Oh went to Arizona no, 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 Dilling, Dilling, Dillingham.
0: Willingham Whitting, Whitting, is uh, Utah. Utah. Uh, Dilling. Oregon you know, OC. Mean, yeah, yeah. Went to Arizona State. Yeah. Like yeah. now
1: you're starting to set up where you had like a cool group of coaches that can really make the Pac-12 very interesting. And let's just call a spade a spade. Prime is must-see TV wherever he's at. Absolutely. So now you're talking about television revenue. Like, I the more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm like, dang, that's a, that's a home run hire for Colorado. Because um, everywhere this guy goes, he wins. And, and um, Listen,
0: at Colorado, Coach Deion Sanders can build a roster at Colorado with a national recruiting footprint and the resources that they allot him. He can build a roster there that can compete with the best teams in the country. And so right what you bat. will get, if you're in the pac 12 with the expansion model that allows the conference champion from each conference to, to, or the top five conferences or whatever to, to get an automatic bid is you will not only have an automatic bid, a team, but you have a team that can go in there and make some noise. Yep. That's what he brings, not just to Colorado, but to that conference. He will. If you
1: can, if you can get the number one overall recruit in the country to come to Jackson state, no facilities, no no TV, nothing. And here's what I say. Even how he handled Travis was amazing. We all know he sat Travis the first mm-hmm. couple of games. Mm-hmm. You can't come back. I don't want you to come back till you're completely mm-hmm. – like that stuff matters with these kids, mm-hmm. man. That matters. with And the family environment he was able to create at Jackson State, that's yeah. just prime, man. That's like who he I, – I want to see it because I think this is like – I give him within three years, these dudes are serious competitors right off the bat. And like you said, look at his coaching staff at Jackson State right now. Man, Prime can pick up the phone and call anybody, any coach in America right now, and you can't tell me they want to at least entertain the Absolutely. offer to go
0: coach with Coach Prime. So I hope I hope they pull it off, man. Dude, and he'll he'll recruit California. Yep. He'll recruit Florida. Texas. he'll recruit Texas. He'll recruit Arizona. And he will pull top talent from those states. And then he will keep the top guys in Colorado, which I'm sure there's probably two or three every few years mm-hmm. that are like game-changing type talents. Mm-hmm. And dude, just watch. He's, I mean, it's, it's a great location for the right guy. And it is, uh, man. Okay, so, so, oh man, we still got to get to championship weekend. I, I just want to hear real quick, then last coaching <clears throat> carousel piece. Three jobs: Tulane, Stanford, Cincy. If you're the AD at those schools, who's your number one candidate for each of those jobs? Whew. Um, Tulane. Mm. You have
1: what, Cincy? Cincy, I've been Cincy, I've been kind of watching Cincy. I, I'm looking at Jim Leonard coming out okay. of um, out Wisconsin. of Wisconsin. I'm, that's who I thought Wisconsin was going to stick with. He's a program, yeah. I, I, and I would have understood. I think everybody thought that's where they were going to go in until Fickle made it known he was available. If I'm Cincy, I'm calling Jim Leonard. If I'm Stanford, I'm telling you what I'm doing. If I'm the AD of Stanford right now, I'm on the phone with Jim Harbaugh. I'm calling him, and I'm saying, who do you got? Is there anybody on your staff that you suggest, or is there anybody in your coaching tree that you suggest? The name that I think, if I'm Stanford, that I'm kicking around, I don't know if they take. I'm going to go get Sharone Moore, the offensive coordinator out of Michigan. Mm. The dude has been secretly and quietly probably one of the best assistants in the country. Came out, coached tight ends for Central Michigan, coached tight ends for us. Then when he, when Harbaugh, this is a big move for Harbaugh, when he fired Ed Warner and let Sharone take over offensive line, we won the Joe Moore Award. Or looked like we might win the Joe Moore Award mm-hmm. again. He called play calls this year. He's a culture builder, parents love him. Um, he knows how to recruit at a high level and understands the academic limitations that Stanford provides because Michigan has some of those same issues. They're just not as tight as Stanford. He's a young guy. He's a likable guy, and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see now like college programs are more open to hire younger. I call her on more because Stanford's a unique job. Um they're very far behind on where college football's at. I don't know how they play NIL. They don't allow mid-year transfers in, so that's always going to be an issue. And then the academic requirements, I think it's Stanford, Notre Dame and Duke are the three institutions. Oh, Michigan as well. You have to be able to qualify as if you're a regular student as well to be able to compete. Um and you got to have somebody that's willing to take on that on that issue.
0: Man, I'm going to throw a name out for Stanford, but before our, since you I have one for Tulane though. You You know who I'm calling? Who? I'm calling Mickey Joseph. Mm. Like if Fritz really is out going to Georgia Tech, I'm calling Mickey Joseph. Now Nebraska fans won't want that because they want him to stay, but like he just, just, I mean, he he just got the experience trial by fire. And now you take him to a situation where, bro, he will get every low hanging fruit, probably plus some guys that Tulane shouldn't get. Yep. Coming to 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 Tulane, yep. and he will have the support of the entire state, and he knows that southeast very well, especially oh, yeah. Louisiana. Yes. Um. Okay, Cincy. I, I mean, I couldn't. I I have. I don't have another one. The only other name I've seen is Tom Herman, but eh. we'll see, dude. So Stanford. I'm gonna throw a name at you, and man, I. Not even because I'm like, oh yeah, this dude is, but just I think he would be the right fit. Bill O'Brien. Really? Yeah. He's a Brown University grad. He comes from that Billichek coaching tree. He was always like, I mean, he's kind of in a, like, he's a, he is, has like one of those minds that can like connect with the uh, Stanford type player. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then I think if you look at what he did with Penn state coming off the Sandusky stuff, man, I mean, yeah. he 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 didn't he wasn't bad. No, he um, wasn't. He just didn't stick around to really see it all the way through. He he yep. bolted to back to the NFL. And uh man, I think I could see him fitting in well at Stanford. The other coach that I, I would want to put in there is Derek Mason, but gosh, yeah, he just he just he he just he's kind of fallen off the wagon since uh he left Vanderbilt. Yeah. You know, he was the DC at Auburn, didn't go so well. Then he was the DC at Oak State this past year and so his stock is probably really low but anyways it's um, a hard job it is a hard job that's a that's an NCAA challenge job <laughs> um
1: for sure
0: okay so well championship weekend i mean at this point it's not really there's nothing to it but to do it at this point that's it um we got friday night we got USC Utah uh Saturday That's morning the game of we the got, weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I think TCU Kansas State um we need TCU to win. Yes. <laughs> keep the keep the dream alive. Uh and then what do we got uh uh SEC, we have got Georgia, LSU LSU. LSU, LSU losing to A&M really helped open things up for for the uh Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC final Absolutely. four. Absolutely. And then ACC, I don't know if anyone's even going to watch that game. Who cares at this point? Who cares, man? Um, and then uh, 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 Michigan, Purdue, um, yeah,
1: the giant killers. I mean, I'm a little nervous about Purdue.
0: But, yeah, I mean,
1: you know, but I think I think this team is very focused. I don't think they're going to yes. overlook anybody right now. Um, I hope USC does what they need to do because. And today, obviously, it's Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see who's going to be in this number five slot. Mm-hmm. That they commit to me, that is going to be a very telling sign. Who's in this five slot? Oh. Um, and oddly, like I don't understand why USC just isn't. But you know, they have that one ugly loss to Utah. Not ugly, but the one point loss to Utah that I think is hurting them. I think they got to win, man. They have to win. They, mm. Because I think Caleb Williams, the way he's playing right now, there's to me there's not a better quarterback play in America right now. Um, and like you said, I the more you've sold that Lincoln-Riley versus Kirby Smart rematch, I'm kind of mm. like, I would love for them to play each other because Caleb mm-hmm. Williams has magic. And you really just need to stop. And Georgia has shown they start out a
0: little slow. Um, they can't start out slow. So,
1: yeah. I I need that to happen.
0: Lincoln Riley will put together a scheme. I mean, I I could see that game being very similar to what we got in in 2017 in the Rose Bowl. I mean, I really could. Um, And USC's defense is getting better and better. Mm -hmm. I don't think they'll be able to really contain and stop Georgia's rushing attack. But I always say this, you know. It's a game where Georgia, hands down, has the better defense. But man, like, it's Caleb versus Stetson at that point. Yep. Now, to Stetson's credit, when he's been in those situations where it's like, take the quarter, he's 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 he risen shows to up. the occasion and he shows up. I just, man, I think it could be a very good game. And then I think Michigan TCU. It would Michigan TCU intrigues me because it's a complete contrast of complete. styles. Complete. And, uh, however, I do think it'll probably feel like playing Ohio state light, you know, <laughs> like, I think,
1: but except the fight. Cause those dudes at TCU got some great in them. Yeah. Man. They got, they got like, it actually scares me the more that I think about, it, I'm like those dudes, like there is, you know, I think if Michigan makes a big play, you don't see the life go out of them. I think mm. TCU has come back enough that they're like, Oh we we can come back. Like, I just think they don't stop fighting. The only thing I like about that scenario about Michigan, this and this is and this is it. I'm like, Blake Corm gets another like six weeks to rehab. Yeah, um, it's 42. Well, as of Saturday, it was like 44 days to the natty. That's like eight weeks, mm. um, or seven weeks, um, from the injury. Um, so that, that does, I'm like, he gets about another month of rehab before the playoffs, which yeah. from what I'm hearing, it was a bone bruise. So you just kind of need that to like rest. Yeah. Rest. You just need rest. So, um, but I do think man, the way, and I've watched Caleb Williams play the last couple of weeks, man, like the dudes, we saw it last year when he came in as a true freshman yeah. in the OU game. The dude just has magic. So yeah and 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 against teams like Georgia and this is not the Georgia defense from last year. It's a really good Georgia defense, but it's not right. what it was last year. You got to have a special player in that quarterback position. That's kind of like the that kind of even's the game out a little bit for you. Somebody mm-hmm. that can make some things happen with their legs, great arm. Um I think he's kind of the equalizer because you know, he's just never down until he's down and if you give him a chance to make a play 85% of the times, Caleb Williams is going to make the play. And then Jordan Addison's no slouch, man. He's he, They got a yeah. good offense. So. Well, what
0: what's happened with USC this year since that loss to Utah, which even that loss to Utah, there was a horrible roughing the passer call that totally shifted mm-hmm. that game. But either way, their offense wasn't the problem in that game. But what's made Caleb Williams so much better, even just since that point in the season to now, is all his top receivers got hurt. Yeah, And so he had to play like three weeks with all the backups. And so now all his guys are back. And so it's kind of like, it's like you can tell he has that chemistry with everybody on the field. Mm -hmm. And so he dances around and the dude just has a cannon. And and it's like, he's on the same page with everybody. Now he hasn't had to face a pass rush like Georgia, uh, like, like Georgia. He hasn't had to see a front seven, like Georgia, like Mm -mm. that's the reality. But I also go back to, Several years ago, Baker Mayfield hadn't seen that either until he played Georgia, and yeah, so uh, they that. were able to scheme their way into some some good situations. And then, you know, Georgia made it happen when they needed most, and they they, they won that game. So, yeah, I, if we could get a Lincoln Riley Kirby Smart rematch, and then a Michigan TCU, um, I, I'd be I'd be more than thrilled.
1: I think it'd be good for college football on itself and the, the parity, and obviously, Kevin Williams is probably going to win the Heisman. I mean, I'm happy for you in that ooh, we've been talking about. Ooh. I'm a little sad. I still think he would have won it, but I'm a little sad Blake didn't get to go. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Because I'm like, if he puts up the stat line, Donovan pits up, he at least gets an invite. And it makes it a little bit some consideration. But by and far, Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman Trophy, man.
0: Well, speaking of, I mean, I think it was solidified this past week. I think if USC wins Friday and Caleb just plays decent, He's got it. He's got ties, man. um, You know, I think that uh, it couldn't have played better into his favor last week where he just completely shreds Notre Dame. Meanwhile, C.J. Stroud, who I actually think C.J. Stroud was the favorite going into this past weekend. I do, too. And had he played what it looked like he was getting ready to do to start that game, Dog. I think it, it's his, but then he ends up throwing two picks. They just they, their offense just stalled out. Like it's Caleb the, is now the front runner.
1: It's the biggest thing I've said about CJ Stroud, man. Like when the moment gets big, he he kind of. And you've been saying of, that since last year. I have, I have. It, it's it's. Don't get me wrong. I think the kid's good. I think he's that pass he made to Marvin Harrison Jr. up the sideline, like that forty-five yard bomb. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I mean, it was. He had a couple throws where you're just like, golly, that kid has amazing touch. He just, does, in my opinion, doesn't have the it. Like, when mm-hmm. things don't go his way, he can't make up for it. Mm-hmm. That's what Caleb Williams has. He has a cannon of an arm. But when things don't go Caleb's way, you don't panic. You're just like, yeah. let's see what he can do. Um, and I think it's been enough for him to win Heisman. I think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, which I think is – well, deserving. I think it's great for USC because now Lincoln Riley can say not only my first year did I have a Heisman Trophy winner, but we went to the playoff. Um, yeah. And I haven't had a full recruiting cycle yet. So,
0: Dude, did you know who said that almost a year ago? You did. Yeah. You did. You did. <laughs> I was trying to find the clip on YouTube. I was like, man, I, I, I said this. And what was funny is I was getting so much backlash from OU fans. I
1: was like, you okay, sure were. I remember we'll that. See.
0: I even had a, a writer for uh, Irish Breakdown. Uh, it's the Fan Nation, Notre Dame side. Yeah. Even he came at me on Twitter when I responded to him, and he was like talking about, oh, four and 8 program, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. And Transfer OU- Portal OU- has significantly changed that whole deal, guys. That There's no more NIL. rebuilding. There is. NIL man. and Transfer Portal. There's no the rebuilding when you're at a program that's like USC. No. No.
1: So no, yeah. And I mean OU in six and six and look I'm talking about should they keep venables, which is mm. might be it might be some <laughs> openings next year between Texas, OU and whoever whoever else is.
0: I know we're gonna start calling like I think on this podcast we should mm-hmm. start naming uh big time job openings, uh <laughs> Lane Kiffin raise opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> Lane Kiffin <laughs> contract raises. Which, by the way, I want to know if he signed that extension yet. I don't think so. Or is he still waiting it out? You know, I mean, gosh, because he signed three of them. You know, what's what's a fourth one? Like, well, yeah, we know what you're doing. We know what old Jimmy's up to. Like, Jimmy is, Lane is like Jimmy's just prized golden child. This is
1: people, man. Yeah. He, yeah. I'm, he uses I'm Lane to get now. other
0: guys jobs. He uses Lane. Anyways, so, all right, man. That's all I got, dude. I think I'm about to lose my voice.
1: Um, Yeah, I'm looking. No, he hasn't signed anything. As of three days ago, it says Lane told that he will return as Ole Miss coach next season and is signing a new contract extension, but I haven't heard that he
0: has. Oh, I knew he hadn't signed it even as of yesterday because that's what, prior to the Hugh Freeze being made official, everyone was like, okay, is Lane signed yet? And then now Hugh Freeze is official. He still hasn't signed. Um, hmm. Yikes. So, I mean, I guess technically he doesn't have to, but if he's gonna stay at Ole Miss, like y- you would think, he wants to make nine million next year, not seven and a half or whatever it is. So, yeah. well, it is what it is. <laughs> Until
1: next week, guys. Championship weekend is a big one, and this tonight is a big one because we could see who's at number five. That know, is what man. I'm looking for.
0: I'm gonna say Bama.
1: I'm gonna say Ohio State.
0: Alright, well we'll see. By the time some people are listening to this, it will already be known, so <laughs> Well until next time, y'all. Enjoy your week. Man, I love college. Peace. Hey.
1: college football. Hey. I love March Madness hey. and I love college.